Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan. Got Chris Parliament with me today to break down a tough 6-1 loss in Florida to the Panthers that included poor goaltending, bad defense, and, well, not much happened offensively either. The good news, the Belleville Senators are back in action on home ice tomorrow on Wednesday in another divisional matchup against the Utica Comets. We'll get you set for that. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is December 17th, and well, in the first game of the dad's trip, they aren't mad, but they're probably disappointed. And how could you not be? Ottawa, another road loss, and that's nothing unfamiliar for this team, Ross. It seems like they've been playing so much on the road. It, they have, and it's just they've played the most games on the road in the Eastern Conference. How many wins do they have for it? A handful. Five. That's not good enough. Maybe the least amount in the league in terms of wins, having played the most games. Five wins in 20 games. That's not ideal. Yeah, and they only got two points out of other games that they've taken to overtime. It's just not working well on the road right now. I don't know what it is. There's lots of different things going on, though. How much can that be contributed to being a young team where, you you know, the momentum goes one way and the fans get involved? Not like that's the case last night in what was a very, very empty uh, barn in Sunrise, Florida. It mustn't have been hard for the Sens' dads to get their tickets to that one. But, <laughs> I mean, it, it does, I think, hold hold note. Like, when Montreal got on them, they did mount the comeback. So, like, it, it kind of it goes both ways, I think. So, I mean, I'm a little perplexed by it, too. So, if you guys have any ideas, shoot us a message at Sens Central on Twitter. We want to know because five wins in 20 road games, that's just not going to get it done. And how much, Parley, can we attribute this to the goaltending? If you look at Anders Nielsen's splits, he's such a good goalie at home. I think he's got like a 930 save percentage on home ice. And he's played the same amount of games on the road, but the stats just aren't there. Yeah, sub 890 on the road with a goals against average. And you got to love this as a, like as a stat guy. His goals against average is 3.99 right now. Not quite four goals against on average, but 3.99. Yeah, the numbers, they speak for themselves right now. I don't know if it's the shaky goaltending or if it's the team in front of him. Harley, he's played 10 games at home and on the road. He has seven wins in 10 home games and two wins in 10 road games. It's just, it's wild. And a save percentage that I mentioned, it's, yeah, it's 927, close to 930. And then that stinky 888 on the road, which I don't think helped out with that. Was it Carolina? Yeah, it was like 7-1 and he was in for all of them. Uh, all six last night too. Yeah, so didn't help that one out. But um, I mean, what what is it about his game? You mentioned DJ Smith kind of summed it up in his presser after the game. Yeah, he did. And the word he used probably six or seven times was layups because they were just allowing those easy goals right beside the net to go in. And I mean, you look at the game last night, a lot of them were tap-ins and he talked about you got to be a little bit harder in front of the net, but it's tough to do that when you're missing guys. Yeah, two quality defensemen. They didn't, I don't think, want to call up Branch and we saw that because Anglin was called up before uh, Branstrom, but we mentioned the last podcast, Pilsy and I, we, I got to see him both games this weekend. P- 
Pilsy and I in Belleville on Friday, and then I was at the game uh, against the Marlies here on Saturday. And he looked like a different player in the first period. He looked like he brought that confidence up with him. It's a shame he couldn't get on the score sheet there early. Yeah, it is. And it's one of those things where it's a necessity with Mello and Zaitsev out. So, I mean, you have to bring him up in a situation like that. But he went down and there is confidence there because he scored what ended up being the game-winning goal. We'll get into that a little more later on for Belleville versus the Marlies on Saturday night. So to have things like that, and then you come back up to the big club, It's it's you're hopping right back into it when you kind of got your feet underneath you. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't say it any better myself. However, it's not like he was being relied on very much because DJ Smith was rolling out the top three defense, at least through the first two periods. I, I kind of lost uh, focus going into the third in terms of, of focusing on ice time. When it's that score, it doesn't really matter. I was actually surprised that Marcus Hogberg didn't start the third period just to get him a few reps here i expect he will start tonight this is uh monday that we're recording tuesday rather that we're recording on uh, december 17th the sends are going to be in tampa bay a team they already beat this year mind you if you remember that a, a nice home win shocker that it was at home um but you assume hogberg is going to start so why wouldn't you kind of get him a couple soft reps as uh, sean simpson put it on on twitter um, but yeah, if you look at Branstrom's ice time, 1624, which would be well above his average. I think a few uh, of those extra minutes came in the third period when it's like, you know what, let's just roll three, three D pairs, roll four lines. Let's get out of here with no injuries and, and move on from there. And you talk about Hogberg there. DJ Smith did kind of tackle that in the post game press conference. He said, you know what, if it wasn't a back to back situation and it was, we didn't have to go into Tampa tomorrow night, he would have pulled Nilsson and let Hogberg go out and play the third there but with the back-to-back situation he said you know what we were out of it you got to just kind of bounce back tomorrow and be harder and another thing DJ said that really stuck out to me was kind of a theme that I think Ottawa has been dealing with all year and it's if you don't shut down the other team's top guys it's going to be a long night and I mean you look at a guy like Noel Achari, that's not really a household name. He had the hat trick last night, but it was the guy on his wing, Jonathan Huberto, kind of had his way with the Senators last night. And I, I don't know about you, Ross, but that's starting to jump out to be a big theme for me. Ottawa's only outshot 31-30, to 30, but it's the top-end guys that do it for the other teams, night in and night out, make scoring chances and capitalize on them. And that's something the Senators are kind of struggling with, not having those elite top six players. Four assists for Jonathan Huberto to give him 30 apples on the year. And I'm convinced this guy would pass on a breakaway. He is such a, a playmaking mind. He just loves getting his teammates involved. Uh, you mentioned Achari, the beneficiary of that with his 6th, 7th, and 8th goals of the season. So definitely nowhere near the 30 assists that, that Huberto's putting up. But, you know, it was just defensive breakdowns, I think, that really cost them in this game. Another thing DJ mentioned was you need to be harder in front of the net. Some of them were tap-ins or layups, as he was calling them. And yeah, it was just allowing guys to get to the front of the net without much friction. And then once they were there, it was a guy like Huberdeau just throwing tape-to-tape passes for easy tap-in goals. Maybe not something, I mean, we were a little hard on Honors Nielsen to start the show, but maybe something where his defense has got to help him out in front of the net. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. Um, looking at a couple of the stat lines, ho-hum, Brady Kachuk with another five shots, five hits. So he continues that pace. Uh, I want to ask you the question we asked uh, Pilsy and we asked our, our audience here on, on Twitter at Send Central, where Brady Kachuk, kind of a cool stat through 32 games as he was tied with the same number of hits as he was shots on goal. 
So what side are you on? Is he going to finish with more shots or more hits on the season? I think he's just going to be a guy that, I mean, he goes out there. I think it's going to stay a tight race, but I think because of his ability to get to the front of net and bang away at rebounds, I think he's going to get out on the shots on goal because there's some games where, you know, there's other, there's a lot of movement going on and stuff like that where hits are hard to come by, but the way he gets to the front of the net, I think it's going to be shots on goal that he's able to kind of edge out on, uh, on what he's going to end the season with. It's so impressive though, that he's still putting up these consistent numbers every single game. Now, one number people might point out was he was a dash four last night. So it's not all perfect. Still learning curve. Crazy to think this guy, is would he still be eligible to play in the World Juniors this year? No, he'd be one one year past it. Yeah, um, he was the he was older heading into his draft as well. Right. Yeah, one of the oldest players in the draft. It was kind of funny. Yeah, Formanton was taking the draft before, but I think he's like nine days younger. They're they're very similar to the same age. So that's just how that worked out. The only player that was a plus on the Senators forwards last night. Logan Brown. We've been talking about how he needed a big game. Well, he showed some serious vision there getting his assist. Although it was a secondary assist, it was a great play along the wall. Oh, yeah. He pulled in three guys and used his strength and his body. And we've talked about it so many times where in the cycle game, he's able to do that sort of thing. And last night, he personified it and then a nice little touch pass over from Ennis and then quick to the back of the net from Anisimov. But yeah, the that was. Party. You can find it upstairs. <laughs> But that was the uh, that was the play where Logan Brown made it happen with all the tools in his tool chest. You know, he was using his size, his vision, his feet, his hands, his reach. He was just able to do everything with it, and that was what led to that goal. And DJ Smith said, "Yeah, he was one of the one one of the few guys that stood out tonight." But uh, yeah, it was it was something you're supposed to see, and something it's nice to see from Logan Brown. Good. Well, we're not going to find out because it's a. Uh... I would assume an optional morning skate today for the Ottawa Senators being back-to-back situation, but I would be shocked if he doesn't play up the lineup more tonight. Well, today in the Ottawa Sun, uh, it was released that the lines were released from Bruce Garriock, and I don't know if he's just carrying over from the night before, but this is definitely something to talk about for tonight's game because Sens fans can't be happy with looking down to the bottom of the depth chart and seeing Brown, Boudin, and White on the fourth line. No, not ideal. Even though I, I love what Bodan brings. I think, and especially like he went back to Belleville and he scored a beauty shorthanded goal on Friday night. Like just playing with so much confidence. Maybe that's more of a an AHL thing. But hey, if your fourth liner and, and JC Bode had five hits on in 11 minutes and 50 seconds last night and played on, on the PK a little bit, had a minute of, of, uh, of shorthanded time on ice, that's the kind of guy I want on the fourth line. Now, do I want my $4.5 million guy who I locked up for the next six years who feels like he hasn't scored in a decade um, playing on the fourth line? No, not at all. And Colin White, I think, is is the guy to worry about on that. Two goals in 27 games. Like, I mean, eventually, offensively, it's either got to come or it doesn't. And there's a lot of people who, even when he was drafted, it was like the safe pick. Like, he'll be an NHLer. But the question is, where's his ceiling? Now, playing with Mark Stone, you saw that ceiling elevated which we've seen time and time again. Zach Smith has been counting his money for three years based on a season with Mark Stone. But when it comes to a player like Colin White, you you, you want more out of him. And if it came out that he's not 100% health, that would not surprise me at all. It just seems like he's never first on puck. And that's such an important part of his game. Where do you think he needs to pick it up the most? 
what's been a trend for me that I've seen is he comes across the blue line and through the neutral zone with a head of steam, but then he pulls up and there's, he just kills the momentum of every rush because he pulls up and tries to make that first pass. But if he was able to stay on the gas pedal, push the puck below the dots, he's a good playmaking centerman. So he would be able to throw the puck out front and create some opportunities for other players, at least see his assist numbers go up. And then, you know, if there's shots on net, he's going to be a guy that can hang around the net and put some away as well. So I think when he comes across the blue line, if you pay attention, he really pulls up and it seems to kill the momentum of every rush. And for me, that's where I see his game really declining. Oh, well, I hope they figure it out. He's 121 games into his career. So an interesting note is that even though he signed out of his entry-level contract and he's making the money he is, he is not waiver-eligible until he plays 160 NHL games. So the Senators, if they want to see him in Belleville, there's no harm. Waiver exempt, he can go down. And uh, I don't think it would be the worst thing for him. And I hope he wouldn't take it as a, a hit to his ego. It's just, I mean, he, we saw him in the one conditioning game he played down in uh, in Belleville earlier this season where um, where he... Uh, he had two points, and then he came back up, and he had an assist in the in the win against Carolina at home. Then in the uh, the loss, that was the back to back where uh, the second half they lost seven one. Well, hey, he was even and had a goal since those two games where he had two points in two games on his on his uh, way back. He's got no goals, three assists in his seventeen last games. So I don't know. Something has to give here with Colin White. I'm not sure what it is, but being on the fourth line, I don't think that's it. And speaking of the line matching tonight, it's going to be a, an absolute nightmare for the Senators who allowed six goals last night because this Tampa team can score. And Nikita Kucherov, it was thought that he would be out maybe even long term, but it looks like he's going to be he's going to be back in tonight. But whether or not Kucherov's in the lineup, there's still so much firepower around that Tampa Bay team. They've got the second best power play in the league, and that's no surprise. But if you want to surprise somebody you love over this holiday season, you need a fun sports gift for the holidays. And you need to go to www.breakingtea.com slash locked on. Breaking Tees, they make sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. Imagine one where you have Carlson's saucer pass midair. Hoffman catches it. That's all fun for sports fans. Go to breakingtea.com slash locked on. And then feel free to search the site. Great shirts, fun sports gifts, and maybe you can even create your own. Tampa Bay, they create enough themselves. They have so much firepower, but they're outside the playoff picture, partly. What's going on with the Lightning? And second part of the question, who do you think has a better chance to make the postseason as of right now, the Lightning or the Maple Leafs? It just seems like right now that... Tampa's just a streaky team. They can get it going and then they fall off a little bit. And they get it going and they fall off. And they're certainly not getting the goal scoring from a guy like Nikita Kucherov, who we mentioned earlier. And they only have six goals in their last four games. So they're in a little bit of a slump right now. But I see this I see this team's lineup and I think, how are they not better? And how are they not where they should be? This team, I think, will get hot at one point and they'll start running on all cylinders. I wouldn't be surprised if they got up into second or third in the division. I think they can get that hot. So I think it's Tampa Bay who has the better chance over the Leafs, and that's not just because this is a Senators podcast. Yeah, in the heart of enemy territory we're recording right now. I'm in downtown Toronto. You're in still, I'd say, Leafs territory out in Woodstock. And Leafs territory right now is middle of the pack in the wildcard standings, tied with Montreal here. Montreal has a game in hand on them, though. 
what I love about this time, this is where the, the separation starts to occur. I mean, we already know there's four teams in the East that are just out of it. Columbus, Ottawa, New Jersey, and Detroit. But if you look just ahead of Columbus is where Tampa Bay sits. However, they've only played 31 games. So they do have that kind of breathing room in terms of three games in hand. And um, and they do have the best goal differential of any team that's outside of the playoffs. Not like they ma- that matters at the end of the season. Four wins in their last 10 games. You know they're going to be hungry. But then you look at the other side. You don't think Ottawa's going to be hungry? They're on a dad's trip. They want to at least show them one win on the road. And yeah, you look at this one and it's it's going to be a tough one for those centers to get the win on the road because Marcus Hogberg comes in tonight. We mentioned that a little bit earlier. He's still looking for his first National League win. So you got to think Tampa's looking at this one and just licking their chops thinking, all right, it's a young team. Got beat up last night against Florida. 6-1 loss. Now they're coming in here. They got their backup goalie in net. This is one where they got to come out and they're going to be probably flying in the first period. Yeah, you weathering the storm, pardon the pun, playing against the Lightning is going to be crucial tonight because despite being in Florida, they've got a great fan base and they're going to get buzzing if uh, the Lightning get off to a good start. So that's going to be a key to tonight's game. Marcus Hogberg still looking for his first NHL win. That's going to be something that the team can rally around here because um, he, he's had some good good action. I thought he was good in his last start. Um, I can't remember. Who did he play against last? His. Uh, do you remember? No, I don't. No, I'll I'll take a look right now. Yeah, he's got the the two NHL games this year. I think it six only six in won- total. Yeah, but I think only one of six games. Eh, still looking that for that first win. Um, yeah, it was at Vancouver. He let in the one goal that was in relief. His other one was at Calgary, where he let in the two goals. Um, they lost three one with an empty netter. So yeah, he was good in that game and. I, th- I think they hit the, the boys earn Owen uh, a crucial win and nobody better to do it against than the Tampa Bay Lightning. And it's going to be it's going to be tough for this defensive core again without Zaitsev and Mello it, against a, a team that is very deep on the front end. So it'll be tough for this team to hop out there. I'm expecting to see a lot of Ron Hainsey tonight, a lot of Thomas Shabbat tonight. It's going to be tough for those guys and that's I think where it's going to fall off a little bit for the Senators if it does is just the lack of the lack of legs on the back end. Speaking of lack of legs on the back end, Belleville is even more shorthanded as they host the Utica Comets tomorrow Wednesday night. Um, what, what do you think that uh, Belleville's going to have to do? Are they just going to have to win games five three four two in terms of? of staying afloat here. This isn't the first time though, that they've been shorthanded on the back end. They've had guys like Frankie Corrado step up Jordan Murray's back from, uh, from his injury. So there are still a couple guys back there for sure. And when you have the league's leading goal scorer and point getter, it's easy. It takes a little bit off you because I mean, Drake Batherson continuing to get it done. But, I mean, you look at it, and Joey Decord came in and made 34 saves in a win. I don't think that's asking too much of a goaltender, especially with the defense you have in front of them and the offensive ability of this squad. So, I mean, yeah, outscoring their opponents is a strong suit, but I don't see that really tailing off at all. As long as they're getting goaltending like they did on this weekend, they'll be fine, too. Loved what I saw from Gustafson. Um, more so because, I mean, I've, I've been clear on this podcast. My, my expectations for Philly franchise are now like Philly backup because I don't think he has the, as much poise as a, a goaltender needs to be successful here. 
but Joey looked awesome on Saturday. Ten bell save after ten bell save. Um, obviously, we're we're hoping for the health of Craig Anderson to be back soon, but I would love for Joey to get another start here uh, coming up. The uh, the Belleville Sens here have four home games to end 2019. Um, all divisional matchups, right? They've got the Comets. Then on the 21st, they've got the Marlies at home. Then they've got the Crunch at home and the Laval Rockets. So these are some important points because we saw what happened when you get behind the eight ball as a team. Last year, they had a great run to end the season, but still fell short. So it's going to be imperative here to finish 2019 strong for Belleville, and they're going to have to do it by committee. There are They do still have that line intact. As long as Norris, Batherson, and Balsers are all playing together, I'm confident in their ability to get wins. And Balsers right now, he's riding the franchise's longest goal scoring point scoring streak at 12 games. So that's something to keep an eye on. And, and not the, just a point a game. He's got 18 over that stretch. So he's been able to put the puck in the net and get his teammates involved. And you mentioned as Balsers is rewriting the Belleville history books here that they've got a couple big games coming up in the division. And right now they're only four points back of Toronto in the North division. It seems like just yesterday we were talking they were in the basement of the North division trying to claw their way out. Well, they've done it with this unbelievable stretch they've been on. And if you win against, or if you win again tonight, I mean, the next game is against Toronto. You could be right up there in second place. If all goes right in the North division headed into the new year, the way this team's rolling, I, I think all things are looking up right now for Belleville, even though, the back end is looking so shaky and there's been so many injuries. As Parley said, tonight's game, that's if you're listening to this tomorrow from our recording. The game is Wednesday. I'm going to have to re- record our intro off the top because I definitely said it was tonight, which is hilarious because I'm working the game tomorrow. So you'd think I'd know when it was. But I digress. And so does the Ottawa Senators as we're ready for another game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So we're going to keep it nice and short for you guys today because there's lots that can happen between now and tomorrow. We'll get back at it and recap the entire Florida trip. Pilsy will be back with us as well for Chris Parliament. I'm Ross Levitan. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.